We should always keep in mind that we are one life's event away from finding ourselves off the path and on the side of the road face down in a ditch so we don't look with ridicule at the one we are picking up. After all, how do we want to be picked up in our moment of stumbling? We need to get busy about the ministry of restoring other believers. We must get over the secrecy and shame of our struggles and realize that when one member of the body struggles, we all struggle. And when we come to the aid of another, we must be diligent to pick them up, hold them up, and then build them up. And by this, we are fulfilling the law of Christ, which is love. I want to talk today about what our proper response should be to those who have fallen into sin around us. I think that this is so critical because it is with 100% certainty that every believer will face this, because every believer will fall into sin themselves and will know someone who falls into sin. 1 John 1.8 says, If we say that we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. In verse 10 of the same chapter, it says, If... If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. And so since we know that it is impossible to never sin, or never be susceptible to getting caught up in sin, we must deal with this head on. If you were to talk to unbelievers and even non-church-going believers about church, the resounding feedback is typically the same two things. People say Christians are judgmental, and they say Christians are hypocritical. Now, it would be one thing if they said the Bible is judgmental, which would be true. The Bible doesn't mince words when it comes to sin and God's necessary judgment of sin. And the Bible is the perfect law of God, so it can never be claimed to be hypocritical. So if their issue was with the Bible, that would be fine, because it remains forever, and they choose to reject or accept it. But that's not what we're addressing here today. They aren't talking about the Bible and its judgments. They are talking about believers and their response to their own sin, as well as the sin of others. It can be accurately said that most of us have experienced this in some form or another. I'll give you a good example. People come up to you at church and ask you, hey, how you doing? To which you reply, I'm blessed and highly favored, praise God. Meanwhile, your job is hanging on by a thread. You're depressed. You drove to church in complete silence with your spouse and you're exhausted from another sleepless night of worry. Sound familiar? If this hasn't described at least one day in your life, at some point, then you haven't lived. But what do we do when we step through those doors? We paste a smile on our face and play the game called perfect. Perfect job, perfect family, perfect life, and the reality is, it's a lie. I've even heard some churches tell their people, to leave your problems at the door before you come in. This makes my stomach turn. For Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Heavy laden means those who are overburdened by trying to save themselves by perfection instead of by His grace. The truth of the matter is, you're not the only one playing this game. In fact, most Christians have played this game at one point or another because none of us are perfect and life will chew us up and spit us out sometimes. We are all burdened 
at some point. So why do we do this? How is it that we know that every single believer struggles with something and yet we are so good at walking around and all presenting a different image? Shouldn't we feel completely comfortable around each other? Because we share one thing in common, and that is that we are sinners saved by the amazing grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Shouldn't we feel unashamed about our stumbles and our pursuit of holiness? Because after all, it's common knowledge that perfection is impossible. Do we really all believe that there are some Christians who are perfect and unsusceptible to struggles? None of us believe that. But for some reason, we act as though it's true. And the main reasons we do is because we're afraid of being judged, gossiped about, forced to stop volunteering, and maybe even excommunicated. We don't feel comfortable being vulnerable, and unfortunately, sometimes for good reason. Even when we feel like someone is trustworthy, we approach it with great hesitancy because of being burned in the past. One pastor wrote this, quote, If I ever fall into paraptoma, which is the Greek word for trespass, he says, Oh God, do not let me fall into the hands of those censorious, critical judges at the church. Let me fall into the hands of barkeepers, streetwalkers, and dope peddlers. Why? Because so often church people would tear me apart with their long, wagging, gossipy tongues, cutting me to shreds. Unquote. So sad and yet so often true. It's time we get on the same page, that we are both victim and perpetrator, and that God has a different standard for how we deal with trespasses in his body. I believe that this is so rich, and I pray that if you are one of those Christians who don't go to church because of being judged or feeling like you have to be fake and hypocritical to be accepted, I pray that you would go back to church and live the example of what our passage says. I'll be honest with you. I didn't go to church for a number of years. I'm an ex-pastor who quit the ministry because tragedy and illness struck my life. And in the midst of my tragedy and illness, the only voices I heard were the voices of judgment and criticism. It made me bitter towards the body of Christ. I had all the excuses you have to pacify myself. I had all the stories of people's mistreatments like ammo ready to be fired off at every invite to church someone would throw out to me. And believe me, I had really good stories. But I want to tell you something. The same way you feel is how most Christians feel. They don't want it to be that way either. We are just so caught up in a world of outrage and blacklisting people with no path back to, to right standing that we are all walking around on eggshells. It's like everyone is waiting for someone else to make the first move. They are dying for someone to open up and be vulnerable so that they too can be released from the burden that they've become so good at hiding. Satan loves to constantly bring to the forefront of our minds the few that are judgmental and the few that are gossipers and the few instances when someone didn't treat you the way they should have. And as a result, we self-sabotage every opportunity and encounter with other believers. I encourage you, from personal experience, start fresh. The body of Christ needs you especially in these times. Christians must bind themselves together because we are facing a world that calls evil good and good evil. We must have each other's backs because we face an enemy that roams around seeking those whom he may devour. We are the body of Christ, and he has designed his body to come to its own aid in time of need. 
Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 20 through 26. It says, But now there are many members but one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we deem less honorable, on these we bestow much more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas our most presentable members have no need of it. But God has so comprised the body, giving more abundant honor to that member which lacked, so that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. And listen to verse 26. And if one member suffers, all members suffers with it. If one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. So what is the right response to someone who has fallen into sin in the body of Christ? Turn to our main text in Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6, starting in verse 1. It says, Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone, and not in regard to another. For each one will bear his own load. The one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. In this passage, there are three responses that we should have when others get caught up. And I pray that in some way, shape, or form, that the truth of God's word would heal the heart of the cast-off Christian and embolden the body of Christ to be more effective in our pursuit of those who get caught up. Let's look again at the first verse and our first response to those who have been caught up. And our response should be to pick them up. Look at verse 1 again. Brethren, even if anyone is caught in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. It says, if anyone is caught up in trespass, the word caught in the Greek means something that catches the individual by surprise, suddenly, without notice, before they are aware of what has happened. The word indicates that sin sort of entrapped them, not as though they went out looking for sin, but they were entrapped by it. The word caught doesn't mean that they were caught in the act of sin. It means they were unknowingly entangled in sin. And the word for trespass is not the typical word for sin in the Greek, which is hamartia. It's a different word. It's the word paraptoma, which means to fall or to stumble. It means to stumble on something by chance or to be mistaken or misstep, rather than a willful sin. It's talking about a Christian who is living for God, but they stumble. Maybe they stumble because they are trying to live for God in their own strength, and they become legalistic. Or maybe they stumble because they are ignorant of the Word of God, and they've never been taught. The psalmist says in Psalm 19, verses 12 through 13, "'Who can discern his errors? Acquit me of my hidden faults.'" Also keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. 
In other words, the hidden faults and sins we may be unaware of are blind spots, which everyone has. It says, for those who mistakenly stumble, that those who are spiritual are to restore such a one. Stop there for a moment. Who are those who are spiritual? 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 15 says, But he who is spiritual appraises or judges all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. So those who are spiritual are those who have the mind of Christ and are those who judge things as Christ would judge things. And how does Christ judge someone who stumbles? Exactly what our text says in Galatians chapter 6. They restore. Someone who is spiritual is defined by Colossians 3.16 where it says, The word of Christ dwells in them richly. They know the word of God so they can have the correct response. And the one who judges correctly and knows the word of God is the one who restores the one who stumbles. Look at the word restore for a moment. It's a word that means to repair, to restore to a former good condition. It's used of setting broken bones or putting a dislocated limb back into place. It's even used of mending nets and even of supplying an army with provisions. What a word. Notice it has nothing to do with looking down on someone or criticizing someone or belittling someone. It's the very opposite. It means to put back together, to pick someone up and give them the necessary provisions to stand up. It's the restoration of one back to a place of walking in the spirit. And look how we're supposed to pick up or restore that person who stumbles. It says in a spirit of what? Gentleness. Or some translations say meekness. It means with patience and kindness, with no desire for revenge or retribution. It goes on to say, Restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, each one looking to yourself, so that you too will not be tempted. Be tempted by what? He's talking about an attitude of superiority here. To be guilty of sin because of looking down on the person being picked up. It's talking about the person that picks people up with judgment, forgetting they too are susceptible to the paraptoma or a stumble. We should always keep in mind that we are one life's event away from finding ourselves off the path and on the side of the road face down in a ditch so we don't look with ridicule at the one we are picking up. After all, how do we want to be picked up in our moment of stumbling? We, th- we see this so beautifully in John chapter 8 where Jesus encounters the woman caught in adultery as he stoops down next to her. And do you remember what he said to those who wanted to stone her? He said, Let he who is without sin among you cast the first stone. He goes on to say, I do not condemn you either. Go, from now on, sin no more. And so we see that the first step in restoring a stumbling member of the body of Christ is to pick them up with patience and kindness because they have been caught up and they may not even know it. Next, after we pick them up, we are told to hold them up. Look at verse 2 of Galatians chapter 6. It says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. The word burden means a heavy weight. It's a pressure and heavy sorrow as a consequence of what they are entangled in. And it says we are to bear one another's heavy sorrow and burden. 
The word bear doesn't mean to put up with, as if to say we just sort of grit our teeth and bear with those screw-ups around us. It's a word that means to pick up and hold up. It's a word that means to carry. It means that when you see someone weighed down in their struggle, you with kindness pick them up, wrap your arms around them, and hold them up. This is very practical. This is not a, I'll pray for you as we leave the church and leave them on the ground. This is accountability. This is accountability that doesn't let go because of the potential danger of the person we are restoring to become entrapped again. This is calling that person, meeting with that person, praying with that person. This is being available to that person at all times. This is being honest in love with that person for the sake of their own well-being. And this is what the Bible commands us to do. There should be safety and comfort in the company of fellow believers. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. This isn't talking about Catholic confessionals. This is talking about our responsibility to each other as fellow believers. It's saying share your struggles with each other, pray for each other, so that you may be healed. Have you ever told someone what you're struggling with, and afterwards it's like a burden has been lifted? That's exactly what it's saying. Not that we shouldn't confess our sins to God, but God designed his body as a mechanism by which we are strengthened and held up. It was never intended for us to bear our own burdens, and we can't. What an amazing ministry that we have as the body of Christ to constantly be confessing and restoring each other, keeping each other in check and in good spiritual health. We must stop looking at our stumbling or the stumbling of others as disgrace and shame. Instead, look at it as an opportunity to pick and hold someone up as we were designed to do as members of one body. Satan has been so successful in preventing this. He's tricked us into believing that either we are the only one struggling or that everyone is so judgmental that we wouldn't dare talk about our struggles. Don't you see? God gave us each other to bear burdens because we all have the burden, and that is our fallen nature. It's not that we are making sin trivial, but rather we are shining light in the darkness of our lives and the lives of fellow believers because there is life and healing in the light. And so Galatians chapter 6, verse 2 says, Bear one another's burdens and thereby fulfill the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? It's love. John chapter 13, verse 34, Jesus said, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Look at verse 3 and 4 of Galatians 6 again. It says, For if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But each one must examine his own work, and then he will have reason for boasting in regard to himself alone and not in regard to another. This verse warns against those who think they're too good to stoop down and pick someone up. Verse 4 is saying, God doesn't grade on a curve. Stop comparing yourselves to others as if you're so much better because you don't struggle with the same struggle they have. Don't be too good to stoop down in the dust and the mud to pick them up. I love this because it immediately shuts down anyone who would look at someone else's stumble and think for one second that theirs isn't as bad 
or that they are too good to help someone else who's stumbling. Look at verse 5. It says, for each one will bear his own load. Wait a minute. It just said we were to bear each other's burdens. Why does it now say we must bear our own load? The word load here is different from the word burden in verse 2, where it means a heavy load, too much for someone to carry. But here in this verse, the Greek word means a light pack. There is one burden we can't share with anybody, and it's light enough for us to bear, and it's the burden of our responsibility when we face Jesus Christ at the judgment seat. We cannot bear another's responsibility to receive Christ, and we are not responsible for others' acceptance or rejection of Christ. For this passage is talking about someone who already is a believer. And so we see, we should pick up the one who has stumbled, and after picking them up, we must hold them up, fulfilling the law of Christ, which is love. And finally, we must build them up. Look at the final verse in our passage in verse 6. It says, the one who is taught the word is to share all good things with the one who teaches him. Many people think that this is talking about material compensation for pastors or something, but rather it's talking about spiritual things. And you can see that if you read all the way through verse 10 in the same chapter, it's saying you shouldn't just pick up and hold up someone who stumbles, but you should give them the tools to stand on their own so they too can be used in the ministry of lifting others up. The verse says the one who is taught the word is to share in all good things. The word share comes from the Greek word koinonia, and it means to partner with or to hold fellowship with one another. It also means to share in common. In fact, the New Testament was written in koine Greek, which means common or the common language. In other words, it's saying after you've picked up the stumbling believer and after you've held them up, then make sure they share in common with you all the good things of what is being taught. And by share in common, I mean possess for themselves the good things they are taught. You see, it's no good for us to just tell people what to do. We must make sure that they share in those things. They possess those same truths so they can be fully strong and functional as members of the body of Christ. We can do this practically by showing the person who has stumbled the word of God so they know it isn't just something you possess, but it's for them to share in also. This is such an amazing calling for the body of Christ. We need to get busy about the ministry of restoring other believers. We must get over the secrecy and shame of our struggles and realize that when one member of the body struggles, we all struggle. And when we come to the aid of another, we must be diligent to pick them up, hold them up, and then build them up. And by this, we are fulfilling the law of Christ, which is love.